Welcome to Team Peds Talks, newest series focused on nurse practitioner leadership and career development, brought to you by the National Association of Pediatric Nurse Practitioners, or NAPNAP, an organization of experts in pediatrics and advocates for children. Thank you for joining us today for our episode. This series of podcasts includes conversations with expert leaders in pediatric healthcare with a focus on advancing career development and leading change. I am your host, Dr. Andrea Klein-Tilford, NAPNAP's Executive Board President. I'm a pediatric nurse practitioner, nurse practitioner director at C.S. Mott Children's Hospital in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and a mother of two children. Greetings and welcome to this episode on how to be an effective advocate for child health and pediatric focused nurse practitioners. I am so proud to be joined today by Jenny Bess, pediatric nurse practitioner and child health advocate. Jenny is a pediatric nurse practitioner at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. She currently works in endocrinology, where she enjoys caring for children and adolescents with diabetes and other endocrine disorders and their families. Jenny became a nurse practitioner to better advocate and care for both people and populations. While she enjoys her clinical work, Jenny firmly believes that solutions to our biggest health problems begin in the community and with public policy change. Jenny has continually sought opportunities to contribute and lead outside of the hospital and clinic. Jenny is currently a member of NAPNAP's Health Policy Committee. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited about this conversation. So Jenny, I'm really interested in hearing about how you first became interested and health policy and advocacy, especially since it's an area often found to be scary and overwhelming by some healthcare providers. Was there one event or time that you can identify that pushed your interests in this direction? Uh, well, thank you, Andrea, so much for having me here today. I'm so thrilled to talk about health policy because it's an area um, that I've become so passionate about over time. And I actually um, first got my feet wet with health policy um, way earlier on in my career um, as a college student, primarily. Um, it, it was through my volunteer work with the American Cancer Society um, that I first discovered the important role that we can have as advocates in the health arena. Um, the American Cancer Society works through research, education, advocacy, and service. And I got to volunteer um, to lead uh, tobacco tax initiatives and advocate for quality and comprehensive and affordable care for people experiencing cancer and their families. And it was actually through my work with the American Cancer Society that I also discovered nursing and decided uh, to go to nursing school and um, become a pediatric nurse practitioner. Um, so it's really over time and, and through recognizing a lot of needs in our communities um, that I discovered uh, the importance of being an advocate. And, and that really continued throughout my graduate school education. Um, after coming to Georgia, I was involved in Health Students Taking Action Together Incorporated, which is an interdisciplinary student-run nonprofit in Georgia um, that really works um, on advocating for Medicaid expansion and for rural hospitals and for um, maternal access to care in Georgia. And so I got to um, political and legislative advocacy community uh, through that work, and that has really um, followed me um, into my career now, and it's work that I'm, I'm proud to maintain. Well, you really got an early start. That is amazing. 
can you share some thoughts on first steps? You know, someone that's thinking about getting involved in health policy and advocacy, if someone wants to make an impact, has an idea, wants to get involved, where do you suggest that they begin? Absolutely. Um, if uh, you have not been involved in advocacy uh, since the early college and graduate school days, um, that is okay. There's still so much opportunity to get involved. Uh, what I really recommend is um, choosing an area of interest. Um, thinking about what it is that you're passionate about, what impacts your community and or your patient population, and learning a bit about what your colleagues are involved in. Uh, you can also get to know some of your local community organizations. Um, these groups have been really wonderful resources to me. Uh, you can attend um, events and virtual webinars, opt in to listservs um, to receive legislative updates, and find out what is happening in your area um, during your state's legislative session. Attending uh, professional policy conferences is also helpful. As a student, I got to attend the ANP Health Policy Conference as well as the AACN Student Policy Summit. Um, and that's a, just a great way to learn together with your colleagues and, and have a professional group kind of walk you through what it's like to meet with a legislator and have conversations about policy issues um, that are pertinent to our profession and the populations we serve. Well, those are some really great suggestions. And as you talk about that, I'm thinking that we are hopeful that NAPNAP will be bringing back our Hill Day uh, sometime soon as well. Uh, so another great opportunity, hopefully uh, getting reignited sometime soon here in the future. So Jenny, not only are you a NAPNAP member, a health policy committee member, you are also the immediate past president and legislative chair of the Georgia NAPNAP chapter. Um, you also serve on the board of directors for Georgians for a Healthy Future. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about how you became involved with Georgians for a Healthy Future? Yes, definitely. Um, so last year, I had the opportunity to come on board of uh, Georgians for a Healthy Future, or GHF, um, which is a consumer health advocacy organization that is best known in Georgia for its efforts to advocate for Medicaid expansion in the state. I first learned about GHF um, back in graduate school through my role um, in Health Students Taking Action Together in corporate or HSTAT. GHF leads uh, the Cover Georgia Coalition, um, which is a group of community organizations that are really advocating for access to care in Georgia. Um, it's still uh, challenging and it's really hard to believe that um, two years into a global pandemic, uh, Georgians are still struggling to access care because our state has failed to expand Medicaid. Um, and so now, um, you know, over the nine years that I've been in Georgia, I've stayed connected with JHF because I so value the work that it does um, in the community. Um, I've shared resources uh, with my colleagues and looked for opportunities to collaborate um, with JHF through the various organizations that I've been involved in. So maintaining that connection, growing that relationship, and really um, just continuing to be an active uh, participant uh, led me to um, this opportunity of getting to serve on the board in this really critical time, you know, in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic, when access to care is, you know, more important than ever before. Um, and, you know, we really need to maintain that focus on um, informing our legislators and our communities of what um, children and families in Georgia and across the country really need and deserve when it comes to their health care. What a fabulous way to really get involved in your community and to make an impact uh, to, the, to the lives of those individuals living around you. So amazing work with that. Um, let's sh shift gears just a little bit. 
Um, can you talk a little bit about NAPNAP's health policy agenda, perhaps some of its priorities, um, and some of the hottest topics in, in health policy and advocacy right now? Um, absolutely. Um, I recently had the opportunity to join the NAPNAP Health Policy Committee as well, and I'm, I'm really proud of the work that we are doing as an organization. Our health policy agenda was recently updated and republished, and so it's, of course, available on our website for anyone to view. Um, and really what um, kind of came out in this latest um, edition of the health policy agenda is just a structure or a different framework to really look at our policy priorities. We've identified four priorities. Um, as well as goals and strategies um, to kind of target in our work together. And all of this is built on a foundation of a commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so our um, primary uh, health policy priorities within NAPNAP are advocating for healthcare access and quality. Uh, this is always going to be key. This includes CHIP and Medicaid funding, um, access to care for children regardless of their immigration status, uh, mental and behavioral healthcare access, um, reducing health disparities uh, related to cost, and ensuring quality of care across numerous healthcare settings, telehealth, school-based health, rural health, et cetera. We're also focusing on social determinants of health. Um, and this is really critical because we cannot um, ensure that um, children and adolescents uh, reach their optimal health in just the clinic alone. Health is impacted so much across the community. So in this area, we're looking at emergency preparedness, nutrition and physical activity, again, mental and behavioral health, injury prevention and safety, and support for marginalized communities. Those are our um, kids that are victims of sex trafficking, um, that are involved in the foster care and juvenile justice systems, who are undocumented, and um, who are among the LGBT and uh, gender diverse youth. Uh, next, we are focusing on um, pediatric APRN practice, and this is key as well because we know that across the state, um, scope of practice and recognition of full practice authority really varies. And so it's critical to NAPNAP that we remove barriers to pediatric APRN practice so that we can increase healthcare access. We know that pediatric focused APRNs provide exceptional quality care and um, that we can help reduce um, access or reduce um, barriers and improve access to care in um, settings such as rural areas and across um, various practice settings. So it's important that um, we are uh, working to ensure that all children and family have um, families have access to care provided by pediatric focused APRNs. And um, within this uh, strategy, we are also looking at um, standardization of practice, uh, diversification of our um, profession, uh, retention, workforce development, and really recognition of pediatric-focused APRNs as leaders and partners in innovative care models. And finally, our last priority is um, pediatric-focused APRN advocacy. And this is um, the work that we're doing to um, position pediatric-focused APRNs as leading advocates. So we're engaging and empowering our colleagues in um, pertinent and priority advocacy initiatives. Uh, we're building collaborative relationships with our other healthcare and public health partners and really educating our colleagues and um, folks that we work with across disciplines about uh, the role that pediatric APRNs can play in addressing some of the biggest issues um, in healthcare today. 
Well, I want to thank you so much. Um, that looked all that tremendous work. So thank you so much for working on um, the revised and updated NAPNAP health policy agenda. Um, and when sitting back and listening, you know, about all of its pieces. Now I've looked at it, I've seen it, I've immersed in it as well. Um, it's really impressive. So thank you so much for all of your work on that. Um, so Jenny, are there any recent major wins on um, child health or nurse practitioner policy and advocacy uh, that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, um, so I think when um, we think about advocacy, sometimes it's more about the incremental progress um, than the big policy wins. Um, and right now, I think that uh, recognition of um, child and adolescent mental and behavioral health as a key priority is um, a major step that we are making in the right direction. Of course, we know that one in five children and adolescents experience a mental, behavioral, or developmental health concern, and the pandemic has really exacerbated already existing challenges. Um, so at the federal level, there's a lot of good work going on right now. Um, you may have seen in uh, the recent Inside the Beltway um, that the Senate Finance Committee uh, leadership has um, made a commitment to drafting bipartisan uh, legislation addressing behavioral health. Um, we're hoping that this legislation will focus on workforce um, development, coordination and access to care, uh, mental health parity, um, expansion of telehealth and increased access to mental health overall. Um, and I'm pleased to say in Georgia, we've also seen an increased recognition of the importance of mental and behavioral health care, especially for young people. Um, there are a few different bills in play, including one large mental health parity bill um, that is seeking to implement recommendations of the Georgia Behavioral Health Reform and Innovation Commission. Um, so I feel really optimistic about uh, the work that's being done in this area, and I'm hopeful that we will have a big win um, sometime soon. Great. Um, so there have been a multitude of studies that validate the safe, high-quality health care delivered by nurse practitioners, including a recent publication identifying having more nurse practitioners in hospitals has a favorable effect on patient care quality and safety, as well as nursing satisfaction and efficiency. So for those listeners practicing in states that have not yet achieved full practice authority, do you have any tips or suggestions on strategies to move full practice authority forward? Yes, absolutely. Georgia is a restrictive practice uh, state for APRNs. Uh, so I can definitely empathize with how challenging that can be, especially when we know that removing barriers to APRN practice would help significantly increase healthcare access in our states. Um, in Georgia, this is especially true in uh, rural areas and also in the realm of maternal health, um, which we really struggle with locally. In terms of moving forward to achieve full practice authority, I think a, a few things are um, helpful. The first is collaboration. Um, in Georgia, we work closely with um, APRN professional organizations from around the state uh, to help um, communicate with our lawmakers, uh, introduce important legislation, help advocate to push it forward, and really build a collective and cohesive um, message. These organizations also help to keep our workforce informed about uh, legislation that is on the table and all of the needs in the state practice area. 
Another thing uh, to keep in mind is that incremental change is sometimes really helpful. It can be challenging to push forward full practice authority in one swoop. And so um, focusing on small changes um, that are achievable in your uh, state um, may be helpful in getting you there over time. In Georgia, our most recent win was uh, legislation that now allows APRNs to order advanced radiographic imaging. And right now, um, there are a few bills in play, um, one of which carried over from last session that's looking at um, creating APRN licenses that are separate from uh, registered nursing licenses in the state. Another key issue that we're working on is collection of workforce data. This is really important to be able to show where the needs are in our state and um, how we can um, help meet those needs by removing barriers uh, to APRN practice and healthcare access. Um, persistence in um, messaging and also having a unified voice is really key, um, especially in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. I think that um, we could all uh, recognize um, that increasing access to healthcare is more important now than ever before, and we should be able um, to communicate that effectively uh, with our lawmakers and elected leaders. And finally, um, when it comes to advocating for full practice authority, I think it is really key to just focus on that mission. Uh, full practice authority is about increasing access to quality health care. Uh, we know that pediatric focused APRNs can provide that quality health care uh, to children, adolescents, and their families. And so by removing barriers to um, APR in practice, we can help um, improve access to, to care and child and adolescent health in our states. And um, we want to keep focused um, on uh, that mis uh, mission and message. And, um, you know, just maintaining uh, active participation in NAPNAP. So, you know, those uh, colleagues um, from across the country and, um, you know, feel equipped with resources um, and uh, the networking and support that we need uh, to continue our forward movement momentum. Well, I think that's some really great advice. And I live in a state too. I live in Michigan. And so we're still on this road as well to full practice authority. Um, so let's talk about some nuts and bolts of advocacy. If a pediatric focused nurse practitioner secures an appointment with a legislator, what are the steps in preparing for the meeting or what can they expect from the meeting? Uh, and how best can they share their message while they have this critical piece of time with the individual or the staff member? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, this is a really important question because being prepared for these meetings um, is really key. So you want to learn about your legislator, um, learn about the good work that they've done in areas that impact your profession or um, child and family health or areas of opportunity that you can help draw their attention to. Um, you want to think about what you want to discuss in this meeting and how can um, you align uh, with priority messaging shared by uh, your colleagues and um, partner organizations in the state at the time. I have a list of questions available um, that you can draw from and any priority calls to action so that you are prepared um, with something to ask of your legislator, um, whether it's a particular um, vote that you want them to cast or um, just something you want them to be aware of or, or advocate for. I think the other important piece is to realize that you are the expert. Um, you are the advanced practice uh, registered nurse who is an, uh, an expert in pediatric uh, child and family health. And so um, 
really you want to be confident in what you bring uh, to the conversation um, and you know pull some useful data together data is obviously important but also bring stories people love hearing about the patient stories they're impactful they're meaningful people can relate to them and it really goes a long way um, and so uh, coming with uh, resources and opportunities for follow-up is also key um, and you know that the last piece um, that i would say is just to recognize that, um, that this meeting is the beginning of a relationship so while you want to come in and have an ask prepared for your legislator, you also you know, want to take the, oppor the opportunity to introduce yourself, to get to know them, and know that um, you're wanting to be uh, polite and professional and um, you know, uh, build an opportunity for continued follow-up in the future. Um, because there's always going to be a lot of work to be done and um, you want to serve as a, a resource um, and an active constituent um, for your elected leader. I love that. And, you know, you have have so many great tips in there. Um, and, you know, definitely a reminder that the pediatric focused NP is an expert in this area. And so pull from that confidence and um, be sure what your ask is such great advice. And, and the long term relation build building is so important, too. So the next time when they have a question, they might come back and identify um, that nurse practitioner as the person who's the go to on that topic. So you know, Jenny, you've had a real long, you know, course so far already in your career with advocacy. Uh, has there been something along the way that's been most rewarding about your involvement in health policy and advocacy? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the opportunity to work with um, really incredible uh, community leaders who are dedicated to serving children and families across the state and the nation has been really rewarding. Um, you know, all of uh, the small wins and the opportunities to show up and speak up on behalf of uh, my colleagues and the patients and families I serve um, is really important and meaningful, um, even if the end result is not always uh, what we're hoping for. Um, and I think um, sort of of a day-to-day, one-on-one kind of basis, um, the opportunity to sit with my patients and families in the clinic and, and really listen and, and validate um, their concerns and the struggles that they have in accessing their care and, and to be able to tell them that I hear them and I'm working on it um, really matters to me. And so, um, you know, I'm just hopeful that over time, um, I can help relieve some of the burden that our children and families are experiencing and um, kind of improve their interactions with the healthcare system and their overall kind of wellness and well-being over, overall. Yeah, I think you said something so important in that answer there is that when you're sitting down with the patient and family that you can say, I'm working on this. So, so impactful. So this has certainly been an inspirational conversation with you. Um, can you provide any tips to our listeners about how to handle encountering roadblocks in advocacy? Uh, we know that the road is not always smooth and sometimes requires some tenacity to, and to avoid getting discouraged. So do you have any tips uh, for our listeners? Yes. Um, so yesterday was the Atlanta Marathon and it rained <laughs> the whole time and I had the opportunity to cheer along the course and I think, um, you know, running a marathon in the rain is a little bit um, of uh, the perfect metaphor for um, our advocacy work sometimes, um, because it really, uh, you know, we're in this for the long haul and it, in today's political climate, it can be really intimidating and daunting um, to get engaged in health policy and advocacy. Um, but I, I think the important thing again 
again, is to really stick with our mission. Um, child and family health and access to care and health equity, I mean, these are things that everyone should be able to get behind. And so if we stick to the mission, and give opportunities um, for other people to kind of join us um, in this effort. Um, you know, we can sort of maintain um, our levels of encouragement and enthusiasm um, for the work that we're doing. Um, you know, and the, the collaboration piece again is key. Um, we're not doing this alone. Um, there are a lot of resources that we have at our disposal and um, folks that we're working alongside. And, you know, with, with everything that we do, um, self-care is important. So when there are times that we get discouraged with our policy work or we're feeling burnt out, it's okay to take a break and then come back to it. And um, there will always be so much important work to be done. So again, we're in this for the long haul and uh, we just got to stick with the mission uh, to lead us forward. Well, certainly great advice. As we wrap up today, I do have one last question for you. Just, uh, changing gears just a little bit on your journey to become a nurse practitioner leader, what one piece of advice was most impactful for you? Hmm. This is an interesting question. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, trying to remember back to all of the things that um, people advise, you know, there were um, numerous recommendations, but one that has always really stood out to me is that um, one nurse practitioner wished me fortitude. <laughs> and while that may sound um, pessimistic, I think it's meaningful in, um, in relation to our advocacy work. Maintaining a commitment to our patients and our profession, um, having the courage to kind of step outside of our comfort zones and advocate for progress, and um, remaining optimistic and hopeful in the face of challenges um, that really plague our healthcare system and our political environment today, all these things are really important and can help um, sustain us and um, make our experience as pediatric-focused APRNs even more meaningful and rewarding. So I think, um, you know, just kind of keeping that in mind is helpful. Um, and just knowing that, you know, we really just have the best, um, you know, we do the best, most enjoyable, wonderful work. And it's um, such a privilege to do this work and um, to get to serve our, um, the children and families uh, that we work with each and every day. And um, so even, you know, when we face these hardships, um, we can sort of come back to the joy of what brought us into this profession and uh, let that carry us forward. Absolutely. I would like to extend my sincere thanks to Jenny Bass for joining us today to discuss health policy and advocacy. You are so passionate about this work and have certainly inspired me. Thank you for all of the work that you do on behalf of children and pediatric focused nurse practitioners. And for our listeners, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining on this episode of Team Peds Talks, focused on nurse practitioner leadership and career development. Please listen to our entire series, which launches episodes on Thursdays. The National Association of Pediatric Nurse Practitioners has other Team Peds Talks podcasts to share with the pediatric healthcare community, including conversations on child health equity, child and adolescent mental health, and pediatric emergency care. Thank you for joining.